Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. You know, most of us can remember where we were when major life and world events took place. How many of you can remember where you were when President Kennedy was assassinated? Raise your hand. How many of you can remember where you were when President Lincoln was assassinated? Raise your hand. <laughs> Jimmy was telling me that he was washing dishes that night when that happened. How many of you can remember where you were when President Reagan was shot? That's a little more modern. How about when 9-11 took place? Most of us. How about when the Astros won the World Series? All right, now. How about when the Texans advanced to the AFC Championship game? Wait, that's later. That hadn't happened yet, right? That's later on today when that happens. But it will happen. We're counting on that happening today. You know, I can remember, and this is one of the memories in my mind that is just like, I guess, permanently etched there. It was not a major world event. But it was a major event in my life. It was in late December of 2002, and one night I was at Stone's Gym in Clear Lake exercising on a treadmill, and as I was walking and thinking and praying a little bit, I was thinking about my life, thinking about where I was at that time in my life. I was thinking about my future. I was thinking about, God, what do you want me to do? And I was just kind of praying in that spirit when as clearly as I know the voice of God, God spoke to me, not audibly, but down here in my heart. And God said this to me, for the next two years, you focus on me. That's all you're supposed to do. You focus on me for the next two years. And I did. Interestingly, it was in 2004, the second of those years, where I came to the full assurance of my own salvation. And so I'm so thankful that God gave me that instruction and told me what to do. So as 2004 was coming to an end, I was thinking about 2005, and I thought, well, God, you gave me a a theme, really, a, a directive for those previous two years. What do you have for me in 2005? And God led me to a passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 49 in the second verse, and God said, what I want to do in your life in 2005 is I want to polish your faith. Now, I know that may be an unusual expression or way to say that, but if you read Isaiah 49 too, it kind of talks about how God polishes us, and so I knew for me that what God wanted to do, He wanted to refine my faith uh, further. He wanted to purify my faith, and He did that in 2005. He got my faith firmly and solely in the person of Jesus Christ, and it was a tremendous blessing to me. Came to the end of 2005, and I said, God, what do you have for me in 2006? I'm, I'm liking this thing where there's a theme for the year, where I know what you want to accomplish in my life in the, in the new year. And so 2006 came, and I got into January, and I didn't feel like I had an answer to that question. I never will forget one day, I was in Bayshore Hospital visiting a lady, and when I was putting my hand on the door to walk out the room, she said to me, she said, John, I feel led to say something to you. This is a godly lady. I went on to do her funeral years later, but she said, John, while we were talking today, I just felt like God gave me a verse of Scripture, and I feel like God's telling me to give this to you. I think this verse is God's Word for you. Psalm 37, 4, always been one of my favorite verses. Delight yourself in the Lord, 
and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That was, one of the ver- that was really the verse God used to call me into the ministry. The way I knew that I was supposed to be a preacher was he had placed that desire in my heart. It's what I wanted to do. And so I surrendered my life to that work. But when that lady said to me, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, I knew that I had had a word from God. I got in my vehicle, began to drive to the medical center to visit whoever I was visiting that day. And while I was driving across the 610 loop, it's like God said to me, that verse gives you the theme not only for 2006, but for 2006 and 2007. In 2006, delight yourself in me, please me as best you can. And in 2007, I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. So I try to delight, I try to please God in 2006, and in 2007, God indeed gave me the desire of my heart in the sense that He gave me a peace and a joy and a contentment with my life and with my relationship with Him that has been such a life-changing thing for me. Now, after 2007, and for the last 13 years, I have not sensed any word from God like that. Now, I've had words from God, but I've not sensed that God has said to me, okay, in this year, in 2009, 10, 11, 12, I've not, during the last 13 years, I've not sensed God saying to me, here's what I want to accomplish in your life this year. I've just kind of been, you know, like most other people, I've just been trying to live my life and trust God and obey God as best I can and do what I felt like God wanted me to But I've not felt that directive until the last part of 2019. And one day I was praying, and I felt like God say to me, in 2020, here's what I want to do in your life. And every time you get down to pray, you sit in your chair to pray for me to to bless you and guide you and lead you, this is the thing that you are supposed to pray for yourself and for your family in 2020. And so it's what I started praying in the end of 2019 and this early part of 2020. I know beyond the shadow of any doubt, this is God's Word to me for 2020. And the reason I'm sharing it today in a sermon form in a public setting is because I believe it may be God's word for you. The thing that we're going to be thinking about today, this may be today God's word to you coming through me. In other words, it may be, it may not be, but it may be that the thing that God wants to do in your life and in your family's life in 2020 is the same thing that he wants to do in my life and in my family's life this year. And it's in one word. In, in these other years, God's given me phrases or God gave me a verse or God gave me a thought. But the, the, the thing for 2020 is one word and it is the word wholeness. Wholeness. W-H-O-L-E. N-E-S-S, wholeness. And so God wants you and me and all of us as his children, and even if you've never been saved, God wants to bring you to a place of wholeness in your life. Now, what do I mean by wholeness? Well, I want to give you not a definition, but I want to give you a description of what I mean by wholeness, and then we're going to look at some scripture and develop this a little bit. It's going to be on the screen. You might want to write this down. If you're a note taker or if you're not a note taker, you certainly want to listen and think about your own life. And as, as we're asking ourselves this question, am I a whole person or am I a half person or almost whole person? So here's what I mean by wholeness. The word wholeness describes a person who is fully developed in every area of life. 
completely developed in every area of life. A whole person, now here's the key word now, is undamaged spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, and relationally. Now watch this, even though damage may have taken place in the past. Now that's a mouthful right there, that second sentence. A whole person, that is a fully developed person, a person who is fully, fully mature, what is, that, what is that person like? I'll tell you what that person is like. That person is undamaged spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, and relationally, even though damage may have taken place in the past. Now, we've all, if we've lived long enough, we've all probably experienced some damage emotionally and mentally and maybe in a relationship or maybe even financially or spiritually speaking or one of these other ways. But a whole person is currently undamaged. Why? Because God has made them whole. God has taken that damage that took place in the past and God has provided or performed a healing work there. And the person now can say, you know what? I'm undamaged in the those areas where I was previously damaged. It's kind of like when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace, and they were there in the fire, and yet the fire didn't hurt them. And so when they came out, the Bible says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. So a person who's undamaged has been through some things, but when you're around them, you can't sense it. You can't tell it because they're no longer damaged. They're undamaged because God has healed that person. And so that maybe is God's word for you. At least I hope it might be. So that said, if you'll open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter number nine, I want to show you several examples, and we're going to just kind of have to hit these and move, but several examples of people who were damaged in some way in their life. Now, these examples we're going to look at today Everybody here, most everybody here was damaged physically. To begin, they were sick, some kind of physical problem. Maybe this is a good place for me to concede the obvious, but it needs to be said to keep our theology balanced and right so we don't get our, an, an, our warped. Many people have a warped theology, and we don't want to have that. We want to have a biblical balanced theology. Ultimately, we will not be completely whole until we get to heaven, physically, physically speaking. These bodies we have in are mortal. They're aging. And unless uh, Jesus comes first, these bodies are one day going to die. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul said, our outward man is perishing. It is. It's perishing. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so if the outward man is perishing, we know that we will not be completely physically whole until we get to heaven. That's when we'll be perfectly whole. But the inward man, now I'm talking about our emotions, now I'm talking about our psyche, now I'm talking about that spiritual part of us, can and should experience wholeness even down here on this earth, and that's what God wants to bring us to. Now, let's just kind of take a survey of Matthew chapter 9, and let's see some people who were not whole uh, in their life. Verse number 2, uh, then behold, they brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. So Jesus could see in this man's heart, he could see all of his sins. He knew they weren't forgiven. He knew this man wasn't saved. And so this man was spiritually damaged and unwhole. Jesus forgave him. Jesus saved him. Now, when he did that, the religious leaders were listening to that and they were thinking, well, who do you think you are pronouncing uh, the forgiveness of sins? Only God can forgive sins. Now, they didn't say that. 
But that's what they were thinking. And in verse number 4, it says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your heart? Which is easier, to say to this man, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He turned to that man and he said, Arise, take up your bed and walk. And he walked, he got up and he walked out of there. And so Jesus took a man who was spiritually damaged, he was lost, who was physically damaged, he couldn't walk, and what did he do? He healed him. He saved him, forgave him, and he performed a miracle so that he could walk. So this man was brought to wholeness. When Jesus was finished, he was undamaged. He was just fine. In fact, he was better than he had ever been. Now in verse 18, interesting story about a man named Jairus. We don't read his name here, but in Mark and Luke's account of this same story, they tell us his name was Jairus. He was a ruler of a synagogue. He loved and respected God, but his daughter had died. His 12-year-old daughter had died, and so he went to Jesus believing that if Jesus would come to the house where she had just died, that Jesus could bring her back to life again. Incredible faith. Verse 18. While Jesus spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, My daughter has just died. Now, watch this. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And we've read the whole story. We read that's exactly what happened. Jesus went to the house where she was. He went into the room where she was. He brought her from death to life. Truly amazing miracle. But this man was damaged emotionally. His daughter had died. She was damaged physically. She had died. What did Jesus do? He healed that family, and he restored them to a place of wholeness. It's a beautiful thing. Now, while Jesus was on his way to that house to heal and raise this girl from the dead, a woman came up to Jesus who the Bible says she had an issue of blood. And she, for 12 years, as we put all the gospel accounts of this together, for 12 years she had had this issue of blood, and she had spent all of her money on doctors, and they hadn't been able to help her. And she, because of this problem she had with the blood, she was considered ceremonially unclean. She couldn't go to the synagogue to worship, couldn't go to the temple to worship, couldn't even get around close to all of her family and friends. So she was isolated. So here's somebody spiritually damaged, mentally certainly damaged, 12 years of that, emotionally damaged. Uh, She was physically damaged because she had this issue. She was financially damaged because she had lost... uh, all her money, and she's relationally damaged because she's, she's cut off from everybody. She touched the hem of his garment. The issue of blood dried up. She was healed in that moment. If you look in verse 22, look at the words of Jesus, what he said to her. Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Now, if you have the old King James, it says your faith has made you whole, complete, literally your faith has saved you. You are undamaged. Not only did Jesus heal this lady of this problem, but he saved her soul. So it's an amazing thing. Verse 27, we have these men who were blind. They went to Jesus. Jesus restored their sight. He made them whole. Verse 32, we read about a man who was demon-possessed, so he's spiritually damaged. He's unable to speak. He's physically damaged. If you can't speak, that affects your relationships. Relationally damaged. Probably couldn't get a job. Financially damaged. Not only that, certainly he would be mentally and emotionally damaged. He had the gamut of damage. And yet when he went to Jesus, Jesus cast out the demon and restored his ability, to, or gave him an ability to speak. And so he was made whole. Now, Matthew chapter 9 is one of those chapters in the Bible that gives us a beautiful several beautiful stories of people who were damaged and God made them whole. Now, what I want to do in this message today is to give you four things that you can do. 
four steps that you can take if you are damaged in one of these areas that I've mentioned. And I think most, if, if you're damaged out there in life and you say, John, I just don't feel quite whole, you ought to consider those six categories I've given because I think everything is going to fit under one of those six categories. So let me give you four things that you can do. Number one, this is so obvious, but we have to begin here. Identify the area where you're not whole. In other words, it's that thing in your life, that, that part about you that you say, I wish this part about me was just different. You know, if you're, if you're a person who loses your temper a lot, okay, that's an emotional issue. And so you say, I just wish I didn't always, that I wasn't a hothead or that I didn't lose my temper. Or if you struggle with insecurity, you say, man, I just, I don't feel like I quite measure up. I, I don't feel like I'm as pretty as the other ladies, or I don't feel like I'm as is on top of things as the other men, or I just, I just, for whatever reason, I don't feel very good about myself as a person. I'm always, I feel very insecure. Or maybe it's anxiety or fear or bitterness. You're just bound with, you just have a bad attitude toward people. You're always saying something bad about somebody else. Maybe you're struggling with depression, or maybe you're just one of those people who say, you know what, I'm just a needy person. I need, I always need somebody around. I, I don't like to be alone. I'm, 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 I just have to have people with me. Well, that's, if you're like that, that's not being emotionally whole. So maybe your area is in the emotional realm. Or maybe for you, your area of damage is in the mental, mental realm. It's in the battles in the mind. Maybe you're being defeated by untrue thought patterns. Or maybe you just have defeating thoughts or negative thoughts. You're one of those people. Maybe sometimes we all do this where you just are waiting on the next bad thing to happen. And you think, well, I'm going to get this dread disease or I'm sure I'll die young or something's going to happen to my kids or my family. We're going to lose our job. Or I'm just, so, so you've got the, all these negative thoughts and you're just, it's almost like you're a captive to your own thoughts. And instead of you controlling your thoughts, your thoughts control you. And you're scared of your own thoughts. And so it can be a horrible thing. And maybe that's your area. Or maybe for you, your area of damage is in the spiritual realm. Maybe there, you're, you're defeated by guilt, some sin in the past, or maybe lots of sins in the past. You think, man, I wish I didn't had, wouldn't have done all that. And you've asked God to forgive you, and he has, and yet you just feel guilty, and you feel unworthy, and you feel like, the, you know, just like the, the worm of the earth, and you just feel so bad about it. Or maybe for you, it's doubt. You just doubt and question everything or worry. And, and again, I mentioned anxiety. That could be both emotional and spiritual. So identify in, that part of you that you wish you could mash a button and make it different. Identify what that is. That's step number one. What is step two? Step number two is you bring that part of your life to the feet of Jesus in prayer. Every one of these people in Matthew 9, that's what they did. They, they went to Jesus with their problem. The paralytic was carried to Jesus. Because, why? Because they viewed Jesus as the the fixer of that problem, the healer of that disease, the restorer of that damage in your life. So you just bring that, you bring that part of your life to Jesus in prayer and just be honest with him and say, Lord, here's what I'm going through and God, I'm asking you to change it. Number three, trust Jesus to begin the process of making you whole in that area. So if for you, your deal is fear or anxiety, you bring it to Jesus. Say, God, I don't want to be an anxious, nervous, uptight, stressed out person. I don't want to be like that. God, I don't want to be a fearful person. I don't want to be a bitter person. And so, God, I'm giving that to you, and I'm trusting you that you're going to lift this off of me and that I'm not going to spend the rest of my life like this. Let me give you a scripture verse to write down. One of my favorite, I came upon it again last week preparing this message, but in Psalm 147, 
Just write this reference down. Psalm 147 in verse 3, the Bible says that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Think about that. Maybe for you today, the area of not wholeness is grief. Well, this ver- that's, a, that's part of life. But it says that God heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. And so you just begin to believe and, and get your faith up and get your hope up and to believe that Jesus Christ, either immediately or eventually over the process of time, He is going to change this part of my life. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life being a hothead. Not going to spend the rest of my life being nervous. Not going to spend the rest of my life being insecure and feeling like I don't measure up. No, God's about to change that part of my life. That's why when these people came to Jesus, Jesus always said, do you believe that I'm able to do that? Yes, Lord, we believe. Did you say, according to your faith, let it be unto you. If you believe, then you've got it. But if you don't believe, you're going to have to keep living with all that stuff, and it's going to be a horrible way to live. So we have to believe. We have to be believers. And then number four, begin to live your life as though the healing has already taken place. Now, that's ultimate faith right there. You've put it in Jesus' hands. God, I don't want to be nervous or anxious or bitter or depressed or worried or stressed out or a hothead. I don't want that in my life. So, God, I bring it to you. I ask you to change this part of me. Deliver me from this. And not only that, God, I'm trusting you to do that. And so since I'm trusting you to do it, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go from this place of prayer believing with all of my heart that, you, that this part of my life, I'm going to live as though the healing has already begun. I'm going to take it by faith. And again, I love that story in Luke chapter 17 where those 10 lepers came to Jesus and they asked him to cure them of their leprosy. Now, you talk about damage. If you had leprosy... No synagogue, no temple, no family. You couldn't be close to them. You were defiled, unclean. No friends that you could get close to. So they were damaged in all these ways. They said, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus said to those ten lepers, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, it's interesting. When Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest, they still had leprosy. But had I, you know, had I been one of those, I would have probably said, Lord, I'll do anything you tell me to do. But before I go show myself to the priest, you've got to make the leprosy go away. The reason we go to the priest is to confirm our healing, but we haven't been healed yet. But Jesus said to those men, go show yourself to the priest. They turned around. They headed to Jerusalem. They headed to the temple to find the priest. And the Bible says, Luke 17, 14, as they went, they were healed. And so what you have to do sometimes is take your deliverance by faith. You have to just live. You have to wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, Lord, I'm a worrier. I'm always thinking negative thoughts. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live this whole day. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm not going to be fretful or anxious about anything in my life. And so you begin to live as though your healing has already taken place. Well, we're going to have to stop right there today because we're out of time. And I know what I was saying in that sermon is a lot easier said than done, that to go forward in our lives as though we have been healed when we really can't see any physical evidence of that healing, be it physical, emotional, or mental. I know that's a lot easier said than done, and yet it's what God expects us to do. Think about this. Think about how we get saved. How does a person get saved? They go to Jesus Christ in prayer. They repent of their sins, they ask for his forgiveness, they ask Jesus to save them, and then what? And then they have to trust Jesus to save them. That's, that's how we all got saved. We pray and we ask the Lord to save us, but then we have to take it by faith. The Bible says, for by 
grace you have been saved through faith. And so it's impossible to be saved without faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing that what God has said he will do, he will indeed do. And so today, let's just kind of wrap this program up thinking about salvation. And maybe today as you're thinking about your life and you don't feel whole, maybe the reason you don't feel whole today is you just don't have peace with God. You don't know what's going to happen to you when you die. You're not sure that your sins have been forgiven. And so today you need to pray to be saved. But you don't just need to pray to be saved. You need to trust Jesus to save you. Pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me and I trust you to do it. Lord, I take it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. And friend, if you have trusted Jesus to save you, and as you're trusting Jesus to save you, know that you are saved. Take it by faith and walk in peace and in victory and in wholeness. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message and many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.